1: This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm Phil Kirkbride, and today I'm joined by Dave Prentice and Adam Jones, as you chew the fact over all the major talking points at Goodison Park. But mainly, we are here to look back at last night's 1-0 win over Southampton. And then, of course, look ahead to Thursday night's game, with West Brom where Everton could go into the top four very interestingly that would be two um but we will start at Goodison Preno um a home win a home win my kingdom for a home win in the year. Uh, <laughs> we finally got one didn't we um after I mean dating back till December in the Arsenal game in the league That's the last time as of last night that we'd won a home league game remarkably
0: um Perhaps not as comfortable as we would have liked, but, but deserved probably. Uh, yeah, I would agree that the significance was in the result um, rather than the performance. Um, it, it's incredible to think that it's been so long since, you know, Emerson actually enjoyed a home win or, you know, sort of back-to-back Premier League wins. And as we said, you know, in the preview podcast um, earlier in the week or last week, um, this was a really, really significant match. Um, in terms of you know what it could do for the rest of the season to build on the momentum that was generated with you know the famous winner Anfield. This won't be a famous win, it won't be remembered, you know, so for, for very long, but it was vitally important that Everton won. And I think what was important as well is that we almost sort of won playing within ourselves. I mean, Carlo sent out a team as he always does, you know, sort of designed to win that game, where he clearly had half uh, half a night on the bigger picture, I think, with the games that are coming in the in the near future thick and fast in terms of the substitutions that you know the substitutes that he named in terms of the the three players that he rested with very very minor knocks um I know you should always just take each game as it comes, but clearly he was looking ahead to the bigger picture, and that can sometimes trick you up you know you can sometimes get you know so of caught out if you do that, but he did it absolutely immaculately. I mean, you could argue that you know, sort relied heavily on an absolutely top-class performance from Jordan Pickford. I say top-class; he wasn't like you know, an inspired form throughout, but he made one massively important save when it mattered, and his distribution was superb all night. It really was. Uh, so, all in all, yeah, it was a very, very important win. Uh, the significance of which you know sort of outweighs maybe the quality, or the, the lack of excitement that was on show. Emerson had to win. We did win, and uh, we can now look forward to Thursday with even more confidence.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Adam, do you do you share that sentiment that it was, you know, in the circumstances, you know, what, what was at stake in terms of keeping the pressure up on the top four? And of course, as we mentioned at the top of the pod, without a home league win since December, is is that your, your sort of overriding emotion from the game that it was a case of just getting the job done and it didn't really matter how we did it?
2: Yeah, I think that's it because I think Everton were probably in danger, you know, after coming off the back of, such a big win at Anfield, Everton would in danger of maybe, you know, tempering that result and making it, you know, seem a bit like, oh well, what was the what was the point in that? You know, if Everton had lost this game against Southampton, you'd have thought to yourself, oh well, it's, a, it's another two steps back, like it was. You know, against Fulham, uh, against West Ham, and against Newcastle as well. You know, just to just to name a few. But you know, especially coming into a week in which they've got three games in the space of the next what seven seven eight days. It was really important to uh to get that started with a victory and as you say you know the the run of home league games since uh middle of december you know, you know <laughs> the last time everton won a home league game fans <laughs> were there which which was just absolutely absolutely mental so uh yeah it was really really good to be able to uh to put that to put that uh sort of record to one side as well and you know I've i've seen a few people saying that you know obviously in the future, the end game is that, you know, we want to be playing exciting football all the time and, you know, we want to be able to win that way. But over the last few weeks, we just haven't really been able to do that at home. You know, we haven't been playing good football in any way and we've been losing games as well that we should have been winning. So I think it was just, it was very much a strict back, sort of back to basics approach from Carlo Ancelotti in a way. It was almost as if we were looking at this like an away game, just get our noses in front, keep things as tight as possible. And just get the three points in any way that we, any way that we could. You know, it was really interesting to see us, you know, pressing Southampton high and you know making sure that they just had no time on the ball, etc. You know, it's it's not usually what we'd expect to see from Everton at home. It's certainly not what we've seen from them over the last few weeks and months. So, no, it was it was a nice it was a nice little change. And you know, Southampton probably will probably think that they put on a little bit of pressure in that second half, but you know, they won big chance really came to a centre-back with a couple of minutes to go really so to be able to limit Southampton to just that opportunity throughout the 90 minutes I think was was really good as well so all in all I'd say it was probably a deserved win and that's all that really matters at the end of the day getting three points on the board and you know being able to move on into what's going to be I think another pretty tough game on Thursday that was a uh, it was crucial.
1: Yeah, indeed. You know, Everton coming through another game, picking up another win, having seen less of the ball than the opposition. And interestingly as well, Adam, as you alluded to there, only two shots on target in the whole game. Southampton's won in the 19th minute and Richarlison's match-winning strike. Preno um, on Richarlison, um, a couple of weeks ago, Carlo Ancelotti fired a a public rocket as, as much as Carlo will fire public rockets in, uh, in Richarlison's direction after the Newcastle defeat. Um, it feels like the message has uh, has been taken on board because since then his, his form has, has taken quite an uplift.
0: 100%, yeah. He, he's basically working a, a lot harder at his manager's request. But sometimes, I think he just needs a little bit of a lift in confidence sometimes, certainly for strikers uh, to start to produce. And he's got that now. Um, you know, it's three successive games now he's scored in and it's, you know, it's clear that once you know you do break that little barren spell, um, he wants to try things a little bit, you know, so more then. And that was a quality finish last night. Mm. I mean, I loved the goal all round. I mean, um, Calvert Lewin, who again was excellent last night. You know, he just absolutely dominated uh, the, the Saints back line, in the air, especially. Uh, but you know, so he knocked one off his shoulder, and then Gilfie you know, Gilfie Sigurdsson, a lovely little ball in. But it still needed, you know, a, a polished finish. And having gone wide of the goalkeeper. Um, there was a defender on the line that, you know, so Richarlison had to, he couldn't just roll it into an empty net. He had to really ping it in. It was similar, you know, here we go, nostalgia time. But, you know, so Adrian, <laughs> Heath, Adrian Heath's famous goal uh, down at Oxford, you know, so the turning point in Howard Kendall's mm-hmm. era reminded me a little bit of that. Uh, but if anything, an even, even sharper opportunity, you know, he really had to drill it in. And, and he did, you know, and his performance was, was so important. I mean, really light you know, an awful loss on the goal threat from Richarlison because Calvert-Lewin has carried that responsibility basically on his own shoulders most of the season and we need to try and spread the goals, you know, return a little bit more, you know, so certainly Hammers and Gilfrey Sigurdsson can contribute more in that respect, but, you know, Richarlison finally getting back on the goal trail again just takes that bit of responsibility away from uh, away from Calvert-Lewin. If it was in response to his manager's, uh, you know, suggestions, should we politely say, fair enough, you know? So it's had the desired effect, and yet he's looking like an absolute threat again now. I mean, the t- the television audience, I mean, you won't have heard this, but you know, the commentators once again were on his case for the amount of time he was on the floor, uh, rolling around, holding his shins. But he was taking cracks, you know. So a lot of the time, he does tend to, you know, react a little bit to that. And Martin Atkinson clearly wasn't in the mood to be a, uh, you know, so. Uh, giving him a you know a free ride on that but no all in all it was a very very positive performance uh, for Richarlison and you know again it augurs well given the other you know, number of games we've got coming you know, thick and fast
1: The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo I mentioned it in my verdict, you know, Carlo earlier this season saying that Dominic and, and Richarlison should be getting 20 goals at least each. Dom's obviously on 18 and, and will get to 20 at least this season, won't he all be well? Hmm. Richarlison's got 11. Is, is there enough time for Richarlison to hit the magic 20 mark, do you think?
2: Um, it, it really depends how long he's going to be playing through the centre, I think. I think uh, if he's going to be playing up front with Calvert-Lewin uh, in that sort of, in that sort of system or maybe a different sort of style over the next couple of weeks. Then yeah, I can see him continuing this score and run because I think he's been he's been playing really well whenever he's been up front. And I think what's really impressed me over the last you know two games in particular is how early he's taken these chances. You know, the you know his one against Liverpool came inside like three minutes was this one inside like ten minutes, something like that. Yeah, you know, yeah, he was, yeah. He, he was sharp to both opportunities right from the early stages of the game. You know, making those Uh, Like a diagonal run in behind the the uh, two centre backs, which was, yeah, I think that's really promising to see because you know he's just on it from the first whistle, and that's that's what we that's what we want to see. And you know that's uh, I think he performed really well when he was up front against Man City as well. uh, When he you know he he was quite fortunate to score on that occasion, but you know I think it was a it was a well deserved goal for for the performance that he put in. So if he is going to be playing through the centre, then I don't see why he can't. Get it, get twenty goals this season, but you know, obviously, you'd expect calvert Lewin to be taking some of them as well. And you know, it it, it all just it, it all just depends on how much service they're going to get from the players and behind them, whether that's going to be Sigurdsson or whether it's going to be Dean from the from the wing or you know, James Rodriguez when he's back in the side, etc. You know, whatever, whatever of the three midfielders are going to be playing as well. I think it kind of kind of puts the focus on them as well. But uh, I think the only thing that Richardson's probably got to worry about is, you know, what Preno mentioned there. And I think that was a game last, last night where, you know, a, a couple of weeks ago, maybe a month ago, Richardson would have got really frustrated there with the amount of times he was getting booted by Southampton. Because mm. you know, I think there were two inside, like a, a five-minute sort of spell, where Gineppo brought them down and then Bednarek brought them down. And, uh, you know, they, they were two, you know, really bad challenges. The referee didn't punish them. But, uh, you know, as, as Preno said, apparently the commentators were going, oh, he spends loads of loads of time on the floor. Well, he's getting kicked. Like, <laughs> I, don't know yeah. what, I don't know what you're expecting him <laughs> to do, to be honest. When he, he gets booted in the shins, he's probably going to stay down for a little bit. So, you know, teams, you know, if they're not picking up buttons for stuff, something like that, teams are going to keep targeting him over the next few weeks. So, you know, perhaps that's just something that he's got to be looking out for. Yeah, I know he does get targeted anyway, but... You know, maybe with him playing through the center, he's going to get targeted by, you know, the center backs or the defensive midfielders. So, you know, maybe he just needs to watch out for something like that. But I think, you know, if he keeps this run of form going, then there's no reason to suggest that he can't get nine goals from now until the end of the season. I think, you know, he, even if he doesn't, though, I think, you know, maybe a return of 15 from where he's been playing this season and considering, you know, the dip in form that he has, I think a return of 15 would probably be a Pretty good return for him uh, at this rate, so you yeah, know, fingers crossed he can get to 20, but I don't think it's the be all or end all if he doesn't.
1: Speaking of returns, Prano, um, um Richarlison's uh, countryman, fellow countryman back in the squad last night, Alan in midfield, the first appearance since mid December, and he got the full yeah. ninety ninety three 93 minutes in. Um, it wasn't flawless by any stretch, but certainly it was a very good return, wasn't it? And I think, I think, certainly in patches for me, anyways, uh. His importance was highlighted.
0: Yeah, I think for, for me, it, it goes back to, to what I said at the outset. And, you know, Carlo is clearly thinking of a, a bigger picture here and talking about uh, or thinking about the games that are coming. Uh, I don't think we'll see Alan on, on Thursday. You know, but he clearly needed that game last night. Uh, and I think he was left on for the full 90, well, 95 minutes in the end, wasn't it? Quite where Martin Atkinson got those last two minutes from. Uh, after the three minutes of time added on, I don't know. He certainly had plenty of us screaming at the television screen uh, at one stage. But having got through that 95 minutes, I think you know he'll then be you know targeted maybe for the Chelsea game on the Monday because he clearly needed the uh, the run out for 20 25 minutes, half an hour maybe. He looked like the Alan we know. He was excellent, patrolling uh, in front of the back four, pinching the ball, using it very well, and then clearly the the two months he spent out of the team. Began to show a little bit, a little bit of rustiness, a little bit of tiredness, maybe gave away the ball once or twice. But I think that was to be expected, given the fact that he's been out, you know, for the best part of a couple of months now. So he needed that game, you know, so really badly. Uh, And I think that's also possibly why, you know, so Carlo left out Tom Davis last night uh, with, as he said afterwards, just a very slight knock. Because I think, you know, he's got the ready-made, you know, say replacements, but, you know, the ready-made individual to come in uh, on Thursday at West Brom. So, again, I think he was thinking of, you know, the long-term you know prospects for both players. Uh, So, yeah, it was great to see him back. Um, He was, you know... Important at moments, but he needed the 95 minutes and it was good to see him get them under his belt and get through completely unscathed because there was one moment in the second half where he was chasing a Southampton runner and he was going absolutely full pelt and, and my heart was in my throat for his hamstring. <laughs> uh, having been somebody that's uh, you know, had that experience of, uh, well, not going at full pelt, <clears> but you know, yeah, your, hamstr- <laughs> your hamstring go when you're trying to sprint, you're thinking, oh God, no, don't, don't. Yeah, but but yeah. clearly, he's, he's much younger and much fitter than I ever was. So yeah, it was great to see.
1: Yeah, Uh, and Adam and you mentioned him in in your piece uh, this morning. um, That's back-to-back games now, where Jordan Pickford has has not just done okay; he's done very well. We uh, we spoke about you know previously his performance at Anfield, and last night I think it was you know not only that final minute save from um, Vestergaard, um, which 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 kept three points in the bag, but his distribution was really good, wasn't it? For the whole, wasn't it? So that's you know consistency has been Jordan's issue, hasn't it, recently, but but that's really positive signs. Mm.
2: And I think it's the combination of these two games that uh, really impressed me, to be honest, because, you know, I I did see, you know, obviously there was loads of praise for Pickford after his performance at Anfield, but it was one of those where a lot of people were saying, oh, well, he was being worked every, every couple of minutes or so. They're the kind of performances that Jordan Pickford, you know, really likes when he's not got any time to, you know, let his thoughts wander or whatever. He just, like shot after shot after shot, all cross to uh, to to save. But uh, it was a very different sort of challenge for him. Uh, last night, I thought Southampton were lumping balls into the box, but Jordan Pickford was commanding his area quite well, which I think he's done for the Liverpool game and for the Man City game as well, to be fair. I think there was one in particular, uh, one corner in the second half, where he just ran right into a melee of player, players, got his fist on it, punched the ball away. Uh, took a bit of a clattering in the process got knocked over no complaints from him just straight back up to his feet and he was looking for the looking for the ball again which is you know exactly what we the kind of thing that we want to see from Jordan Pickford we want him to be you know the man commanding that sort of six yard area in front of his goal line like I know Everton play very uh, a very deep defensive line these days so so, uh so it it, it might be a little bit hard for him to try and command that area but you know I think he did it really really well last night and it was one of those sort of games where he needed his concentration level to be as high as possible because as we mentioned before the one chance for Southampton came really really late in the game and he only had he only essentially had one shot to save uh, throughout the match and he did it really really well you know Estegaard just looked for all the world like he was going to score when he was turning, turning on that ball but Pickford was out like a rocket made himself as big as possible and you know, it was a really, really good save to make sure it went behind for the corner as well. So I think that all in all, when you combine those two performances, it kind of amalgamated everything that Everton want to see from their goalkeeper. I think that's something that we haven't really seen from Pickford for a, a, a long while, to be honest. And as you mentioned, you know, the consistency is something that's been missing from Pickford. So hopefully he can, you know, use these two games as a, as a bit of a platform to build. You know, Ancelotti said that he's still going to rotate his goalkeepers. So, to be honest, I wouldn't be that shocked if Robin Olsen was the man uh, between the sticks for the West Brom game. Just in terms of you know giving Pickford a little bit of a rest, you know I, I think you know, he did end up limping a little bit when he yeah. was coming off the pitch, didn't he? Because of a, a bit of a clattering that he took right at the mm-hmm. end. So maybe it's just a little bit of a precaution. I'd put a uh, Olsen in uh, for the for the West Brom game. I think he's a bit taller as well, so you know you can imagine West Brom are going to be pumping balls into the box. So. But uh, I don't think it's going to be any sort of any impact on Jordan Pickford's performance. I think, you know, if he's fit, he's going to be back in for that Chelsea game. And I think, you know, this is Jordan Pickford making a real statement that, you know, he is Everton's number one choice. And it, he wants it to stay that way.
1: The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.
2: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price
0: of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing.
1: Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, get 20, 20, get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So,
0: Give it a try at mintmobile.com
1: slash switch.
2: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
1: Promo neatly brings us on to, to Thursday night, 6 o'clock at the Hawthorns. A reunion yeah. with uh, Mr. Allardyce. Uh, but more importantly, Prono, a victory will, for however long, maybe a couple of hours, maybe a couple of days, um, send Everton fourth in the Premier League table with 12 games of a season to go. Is it <laughs> time to believe that something special could be on the horizon if we win?
0: I don't want to get too carried away, uh, given the fact that we've still got, you know, best part of a third of the season to go. But yes, when you get into March and you're still, you know, in a position like this in the table, you think maybe, just maybe. And you could tell by some of the post-match comments last night uh, that, you know, people around the football club are starting to think about it, if not believe it. Now, I don't want to get too carried away about Thursday, but having watched, you know, most of the uh, the West Brom Brighton game at the weekend, and I don't know West Brom won the match, but God, they were awful. Brighton should have battered them. Um, you know, if they'd have had anything like the kind of you know chance conversion percentage that Everton are showing this season, which Everton the top of the table of by the way, fifteen percent uh, chance conversion, which apparently is like you know almost twice like what most teams are doing, and we're at it again last night. You know, so the handful of chances that we created, we buried. Um, so if we can, you know, be as ruthless and as clinical as that, you know, so on Thursday against a team who were a poor side, you know, that, that's fourth place, albeit fleecingly because, you know, Liverpool and Chelsea play a couple of hours later and one of them has got to take points off each other, uh, you know, regardless of who wins. I mean, whatever happens in that game, that'll, that'll work in our favour. Um, but yeah, you do just think maybe, just maybe, I mean, the Chelsea game on Monday is going to be enormous, isn't it? Uh, given how successful Carlo has been, Sending out teams to get results against the, you know, the inverted commas, bigger clubs, especially away from home. So, uh, but yeah, I don't want to say I'm starting to believe, but I'm beginning to get just that little tingle in the back of your mind thinking, maybe, just maybe. Let's see what happens on Thursday first. But I am quite confident about that game because West Brom, as they showed at the weekend, are a poor side and we should be looking to get three points there. Uh, You know, if we do, ask me again then. (laughs) (laughs) we will I'll come back to you on Friday I I,
1: I suppose same same question to you mate because you know 12 games is still a fair chunk as as Pernod said of a season to go but as he said equally when you get into March and you go fourth you aren't you aren't fourth in March by fluke you're fourth Mm -hmm. in March for a reason Um, Mm -hmm. and for me that would be because you're well in the mix. I don't, I don't know, how we, how would you feel if if we get the result on Thursday? If we get it, of course.
2: Yeah, I th- I feel like it's, it's a bit of a strange situation. I think the confidence would be a bit higher if we were playing this sort of like swashbuckling sort of football that was blowing teams away. But, you know, the fact that we're just grinding out results is maybe tempering expectations a little bit among some of the fan base because, you know, you know people, people kind of think, oh, well, the results have got to swing the other way at some point. But, I I would I would feel quite confident because you know there have been there have been so many games this season. You know, as, as Preno mentions, you know, going away to these to these bigger clubs where Everton have just shown this this spirit that we haven't seen about them for years to be able to grind out. You know, whether it's a comeback draw against Manchester United or you know a big win against Liverpool away from home, and it's those kind of results that just give you that little bit of, as Preno says, that little bit of hope at the uh, at the back of your mind. I think. With 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 twelve games to go in this of all seasons as well, uh, with how close things are, you know, it, it's no team has, apart from Man City who are just running away with it at the top of the table. No team has shown uh, the consistency I think to be able to be, you know, super confident uh, with twelve games to go. I think even Leicester, to be honest, have probably got got to be a little bit woodies, especially with the injuries mm. that they've got. You know, they'll they'll be kind of looking over their shoulders a little bit. Even though they sat in third, I think at the minute, aren't they? So you know, there could potentially be two places up for grabs in the top four, the way things are going. So with this many games of the season to go, I'm still, you know, trying to keep it, keep it, uh, keep the excitement low for now, just uh, just try and take it, take it one game at a time. But you know, if Everton, if Everton do keep going the way they're going, you know, keep keep their away form up and you know, manage to improve their home form, then, you know, there's no reason to suggest that they, that they couldn't, well, definitely finishing broader but you know, Champions League places, you know, who knows? I think it's going to, it's going to depend on the, the consistency of, uh you know, the likes of Liverpool, Chelsea, as I say, Leicester, uh, even Tottenham trying to make a, trying to make a late uh, push for it. West Ham as well. Imagine, <laughs> imagine the top four ended up United City, uh West Ham and Everton. Like, that would be, <laughs> <laughs> that'd be that be the that'd be the top four. I think that we all want to see, but uh, yeah, it's it's. I, th- I just still think there's there's a little bit too far in the season to go yet yeah, for me to get properly excited.
1: And um, Prano asked Carlo um, this question last night after the game. He, he in the previous question was asked about top four and and, all, and he was trying to play it down a little bit, but then something that he was sort of giving off in his answers. So, so I I went back to him and said. Psychologically, though, would that you know how, how significant would it be at this stage of the season, even to go forth, even for a couple of hours? And, and his and his answer sort of inferred, you know, it, it would be, but he didn't really want to say so. I mean, do, do you sense it would be? There would be any significance psychologically? to just even, even as he says, touch the position?
0: Definitely. I mean, um, you think back to I mean, Sigerson's interview he gave at the weekend. Uh, where he conceded that the players were, you know, definitely talking and thinking about, um, if not Champions League qualification, you know, so certainly European qualification, and to get into that position, albeit briefly, it is definitely going to have a psychological impact on players and a little bit of a G-up, if you like. If you know, if motivation was ever an issue, um, you know, it's it's there in front of you, at the prize that you could win, and uh, it, it's very different actually to. Oh, gosh, you know, so I'm trying to think back to when we actually did qualify, you know, so for the Champions League qualifiers in 2005. And that was on the back of a storming run uh, at the start of the season and got into the top floor for uh, by December time, January time, and then just managed to hang on and hang on, uh, you know, so you know, grinding up the odd 1-0 wins here and there. And then uh, the famous win over Manchester United, which was the the one that everybody expected Everton to, to lose, and to get Liverpool the, give Liverpool the opportunity to climb above us and you know they didn't even won it um, but that was almost like um, you know sort of hanging on like a, a grand national winner getting reeled in bit by bit furlong fair, fair long by furlong and finally hanging on until it was over the finishing line. this isn't this is almost like you know so it, it's a coming from behind and beginning to you know remorselessly you know sort of reel in the front runners and you're know, just getting to the opportunity now where you can see. That little bit of, uh, you know, sort of light on the horizon, I think that, yeah, possibly we could do. So, yeah, if there's any motivation required at all, I think getting there, albeit briefly as it may be, uh, will be very, very significant. To do that, we've got to win, though. We've got to win the game on Thursday. But that, again, gives you know, sort of a great deal of motivation for what would normally be not the most, uh, you know, sort of high-profile fixture. You know, sort of on the fixture list, a trip to the Hawthorns on a Thursday night. Uh, but then again, neither Southampton at home on a Monday night. But these games are all taking absolutely you know, so much more significance now uh, than they would have done normally. Because, you know, as we say, we're in March now and we're getting close to the business end of the season. So, uh, yeah, if any motivation was needed, it's there in front of you. you know, fourth place, even for a, a short period of time, uh, can definitely have a galvanising effect. The
1: Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. just had a quick look at the last time we were obviously we were even contemplating top 4 which was Roberto's first season 13 14 yeah. uh, in terms of the running we didn't go we didn't go fourth until april the 12th with that 1-0 win at Sunderland uh, with the own goal um taking us fourth and then we were f- then we we stayed fifth for the rest of the season but uh, Went fourth in January after win over Norwich at home, um, but then didn't go forth again, as I say, until, until April. But we just missed out, of course, uh, to Arsenal that season. Um, Adam, how do you think West Brom will approach Thursday? Because they're obviously desperately in need of points. Mm. Um, but surely coming out and attacking Everton with Everton's speed and ability on, on the counter-attack would be would be uh footballing suicide and it would go against the grain of everything Allardyce sort of tends to stand for, you know, they need victories, don't they?
2: Yeah. And I think Allardyce will probably, I, I still think Allardyce will play this, you know, in, in a defensive sort of sense. You know, he, he's going to, he's going to be trying, his end game is probably going to be trying to get a similar result as the one against Brighton, you know, just as as I kind of said about our game against Southampton, just get the noses in front and to do everything in your power to try and stop the opposition scoring against you. You know, that's kind of Allardyce's MO, isn't it? Just to to frustrate the opposition, stop them in any way, shape or form and then just lump as many crosses into the box as you can and, you know, try and and disrupt things that way and and try and sneak any sort of result that you can. And I think... Uh, a lot of sides have probably done that at home against Everton over, you know, the last few weeks and months, you know, as we say, you know, the likes of West Ham, uh, Fulham, Newcastle, you know, they, tr- they tried to do similar sort of things, you know, sitting back and, you know, keeping things as defensively tight as possible and then just being as clinical as they could with the chances that they got at the other end of the pitch. Uh, but Everton maybe haven't had to deal with that away from home uh, a lot over over recent weeks and months. So it's going to be, going to be interesting to see how they deal with it i think uh if resting james rodriguez if it was you know just resting him in terms of you know a, a slight injury problem that he might have had and making sure that he's fit for this game i think is probably for the best because i think we're going to need his sort of quality to try and open up what's going to be you know what you'd expect to be a really really resolute west Bron defense because you know i know they're, they're i know they're in the bottom three at the minute but you know they're an team still so they're <laughs> going to be they're going to be as organized as possible and at the back aren't they so they're the kind of teams that Everton have you know traditionally uh over the past few years to be honest have uh have struggled to break down on so many occasions you know teams that are just going to sit back with two banks of four and just say right well try and score against us then so it's going to be really interesting to see how Everton deal with this game because I think it's going to have to be you know even a different formation than the one that we saw against Southampton, I think Everton have maybe got to try and use wingers in this one to try and hit them from out wide and you know try and mm-hmm. overload those areas and you know, try and give as many sort of chances to Calvert Lewin as we could as we can that way because I just I, I do there is, there is something that concerns me about this game to be honest because I, I do just feel like it's going to be the the typical Allardyce defensive. Just sit back. It's not going to be an exciting game of football. <laughs> really. Uh, so I, I don't I just, say I that. that. I don't that
1: going down there. <laughs> <laughs> I just I
2: just I just hope that Everton are going to have enough quality on the pitch. I'd like to see Rodriguez starting. I'd like to see Alex Awobi starting, to be honest. I think his sort of direct nature will be uh, will be really useful in this game. So fingers crossed, uh, Everton will be able to. Have just enough quality to to break down West Brom in 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 this one because I think it's going to be similarly a big test to Everton. Can they can they prove that they can break down teams that are just going to sit back and defend against them? You because know, they're going to have to if they if they if they do want to finish in these Champions League places. So it's going to be interesting, certainly.
0: Yeah, it's in the uh, the six o'clock slot on a Thursday and- night for a reason. I don't think anybody's anticipated a you know a huge uh, degree of entertainment that night. But I think what's in Everton's favour is that Sam Allardyce is very very unhappy about the scheduling of the fixture. I mean, he's described mm-hmm. it as disrespectful uh, by the Premier League to shoehorn in another fixture either side of their two massive games i mean they played brighton you know last weekend and won very luckily very fortunately i thought and then they play newcastle uh, you know the following game which again is massive for them so this is a game right in the middle of it, you know, so they might not be Mm. expecting to get a great deal from, and they're really unhappy about the scheduling of it as well. So, you know, I don't think Carlo is absolutely thrilled with the scheduling, you know, four days before a Chelsea game, but the fact he hasn't complained about it, you know, speaks volumes. He's got his players in a good place mentally for it, whereas maybe, just maybe, uh, you know, so West Brom will be a little bit, I don't know, um, off the, the, you know, so game psychologically a little bit as a result of it
1: and potential maybe for allies to to maybe rest one or two players perhaps we should be them the full strength and 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 for either of you same question i suppose are we going to see josh king start anytime soon you know this is this is the most congested period of, of, of you know uh, as congested a period as it's, as it's been um is now is now the time for carlo to to, to give josh king a, a a go from the start adam
2: uh yeah, maybe, maybe uh, as you, as you say, with it being such a congested period, I think certainly we're going to need Calvert Lewin at the top of his game for that uh, Chelsea match, aren't we? Because you know, as Prenner was saying a little bit earlier, it it could be a crucial one in terms of you know potential Champions League qualification or European qualification towards the end of the season. So yeah, I, I would argue that maybe this could be this could be the perfect opportunity for him to go and prove himself. As I say, I think. It's going to be more about how we create the chances, rather than rather than anything else. So you know, if, Josh, if we maybe put Josh King through the middle, trying to uh, try and put wingers either side of him, you know, Hamas Rodriguez in behind them. Maybe I think that's probably going to give him the best opportunity to you know get one of those chances inside the box and and score. And I think you know with calvert Loon as well as again, Preno mentioned a little earlier. Uh, I think. While he didn't score yesterday, I think you know the effort levels that he put in, you know, were off the scale. As as you'd expect, once again, you know, we've winning, winning those aerial du- duels constantly. I think he forced that Salisu off the pitch because he kept <laughs> kept being yeah. So he so he eventually just had to be subbed in the end. But uh, yeah, I think maybe giving him a little bit of a rest uh, for the for this one, bringing him off the bench if we need to. Hopefully we don't need to, but, you know, maybe bring him off the bench for the last half hour if we need to. But, yeah, I think I, I would potentially agree. I think this is probably a, a decent decent enough opportunity for Josh King to try and come in. And, you know, as I say, as long as Everton can provide him the opportunities, hopefully he uh, can show why he signed.
0: If he's ever going to start a game, this is the, the ideal opportunity. Um, you know, only three-day turnaround. Uh, like you, Adam just said, Dominic Calvert-Lewin put an awful lot into that game. On Monday night, Richarlison, as we mentioned earlier, was getting kicked from pillar to post all game. So, if you're ever going to like pull him out of the firing line briefly, uh, this will be the opportunity. Carlos said many times that, you know, he thinks that Josh King, you know, is ready to start a game and he will start a game. But, you know, as every game goes on, he just doesn't seem to get that opportunity. And it's the fact that he was only introduced like for the last like two minutes or three minutes, whatever it was uh, last night, an indicator that maybe he is going to play more of a, a role on Thursday? Yeah, maybe we might see him from the start. I don't think that would be a, a big surprise if he did. And, you know, you know, by all accounts, he's fit and he's uh, he's producing and training. So that this could be the time for him.
1: Absolutely, we'll see. And you know, physical presence as well. You know, and West West Brom's you know defenders in the Allardyce mould will uh, will uh, you know be uh, challenged if if we can play with that sort of physicality. And uh, as you say, Adam, resting perhaps Calvert Lewin. Head of the uh, the trip to Chelsea, so we shall see. But finally, uh, on today's pod predictions time, Adam will start with you. How do you see it going on Thursday?
2: I think it's going to be really interesting. I think if Everton scored early, you know, in in a similar vein to the the did against Liverpool or even against Southampton, I think that it could be a fairly comfortable one. I don't want to don't want to try try and uh, try and say too much about that, but you know, I think. You know, if, if Everton do take the lead, I think it really changes West Brom's game plan a little bit because they will, they will have mm-hmm. to come out a little bit more, and you know, maybe Everton can uh, exploit them a little bit more after that. So, I'm gonna say 2 0, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully, keep a clean sheet. Uh, yeah, 2 0, just solid enough. Take us into that Chelsea game, please. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. And bump bump up that goal difference that we uh, wrote about last night. Yeah. Prano,
0: how, do you, uh, how, do you, how do you see it going? Yeah, I mean, last night after uh, Richarlison scored the early goal, I thought this is it. My three nil prediction and Richarlison to score two goals is going to absolutely <laughs> fly in, and then it all went pear shaped after that. So I'm loath to suggest you know a goal fest again. Um, especially when you look at some of West Brom's recent results, you know, 1-0 uh, at the weekend, 0-0 nil, nil before that against Burnley, 1-1 one, one before that against United. So, you know, the, the Allardyce effect is beginning to, you know, sort of take hold now. Uh, he's very, very keen not to lose games, and so he is going to keep it tight. Uh, but we've got more quality, and as I said, you know having watched that game at the weekend, how on earth Brighton didn't beat them out of sight, I've no idea. Some of their finishing was rank. I mean, two penalties says it all, you know, sort of managing to miss two penalties. So, I'm I'm gonna go with Adam. I think 2-0. Uh, I think you know we're we're better than you know just sneaking another one-nil win. Uh but I think you know they're not gonna come out at all, even if they concede an early goal. West Brom, I think they'll just stick at you know, the, the game plan that Allardyce uh, usually has. But yeah, we we've got far more co- far more quality than they have in our side. So yeah, I'm I'm quite confident with the two-nil away win.
1: Mm. We'll go for a clean sweep, I think 2 0 as well. I think if Hamez is fit, hopefully he is, <laughs> as Carlos suggests I think it mm. I, th- I think uh, I think it's it's an ideal game for Hammers, isn't it? And I know I know it was against ten men uh, back in uh, September when they came to Goodison, but Hammers absolutely just tore them from pillar to post, didn't he? He was uh, he was having a great afternoon. So uh, more of the same, perhaps not quite as uh, as much of a flourish on the scoreline, but I think we will win two 0 as well. Uh, chaps, thank you very much for your company excellent as always um, thank you very much for listening so we're back Thursday uh, evening at the Hawthorns I'll be down there Adam covering the game also uh, and then we'll be back to pod again on Friday um, wow. after the managers press conference as we preview a uh, huge game on Monday night when the Blues go to Chelsea and hopefully they go to Stamford Bridge in the top four but we shall see thank you very much for listening this has been the Royal Blue Podcast